Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. On June 24th, the U.S. Supreme Court overturned the long-standing constitutional right to abortion. It came months after a leaked document suggested the court's decision to strike down Roe v. Wade. The Supreme Court has reached a decision on the landmark Roe v. Wade case. The ruling is on a case called Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization. It's Mississippi's law that bans nearly all abortions after 15 weeks gestational age. It's considered the most direct challenge to Roe v. Wade in nearly 30 years. The question today here with breaking news the from the Supreme Court at this hour, the justices handing down the highly anticipated ruling on abortion and the fate of the landmark Roe versus Wade decision. This is a majority opinion written by Justice Samuel Alito very close to what was leaked several weeks back. The justice is saying we hold that Roe and Casey must be overruled. Well, I want breaking to news as we show you this live image from our nation's capital outside the U.S. Supreme Court. The highest court in the nation announcing it will overrule. It is overruling Roe v. Wade. And in just the past 15 minutes ago, or I should say past 15 minutes or so ago, we have learned that President Joe Biden Taking is preparing to address what was regarded as a fundamental right. Right now, new laws banning abortion are taking effect in several states. Just hours after the court overturned the landmark Roe versus Wade decision, leaving it to states to decide whether abortion is legal. Just the six to three ruling now leaves it to the states to set their own abortion laws. So where does that leave Arizona? Welcome to The Gaggle, a podcast by the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com, where we cover Arizona politics to keep you fully informed. I'm your host, Ron Hansen. Today, two Arizona Republic reporters will help give us a better understanding on where Arizona stands in a post-Roe world. We'll be joined first by healthcare reporter Stephanie Innes, and later by state politics reporter Ray Stern. Stephanie, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So abortion is still legal in the states. What does that mean here in Arizona functionally? It's very unclear in Arizona, and that is what I have been hearing from all the providers. Because there are various abortion laws in the state, uh, nobody really knows which one is in effect. And because we have people in charge in Arizona who are very, I guess you would say, pro-life, or they have been um, certainly favorable of restrictions on abortion, a lot of healthcare providers are fearful. And therefore, most of the abortion clinics in the state are not doing any abortion care right now. Are those closures likely to last indefinitely? Is there any legal basis for them right now to provide abortion services in Arizona? That's an interesting question because I interviewed providers before this decision came down, and at least one had told me, until I get direction from the state, I will continue providing 
abortion care. And when I say abortion care, I mean both surgical and medication abortions. She told me this maybe a week before the decision came down, but then the day of the decision, I called her and she said she had changed her mind. And, you know, that was on consulting with attorneys and with other providers. I think there's just a real fear. Doctors are afraid of losing their licenses, and they also don't want to be thrown in jail because they want to continue providing health care. How has the healthcare industry responded to this? And what, if anything, comes next on this issue for them? Health providers in general, um, regardless of their beliefs, are devastated about this. Um, you know, I, all ma- not all healthcare organizations, but major healthcare organizations on Friday immediately began sending out um, statements condemning this decision because they consider abortion care is a regular part of health care. Now, they do acknowledge it has been on the fringes, and in Arizona, it's been increasingly restricted, particularly over the last decade. So it's not like this was a complete surprise. However, I think health providers, from what I know from talking to them, are really, really worried about patients. Um, And they're worried about where women are going to, not just women, but pregnant individuals are going to get health care if they are in a situation where they need abortion care. Is there any likelihood of doctors or other health care providers leaving the state on a permanent basis as a result of either the unsettled nature of this or, or where the state chooses to go politically moving forward? Yes. The Maricopa County Medical Society issued a statement Friday, and that was one of their top concerns, was that, you know, Arizona already has a severe shortage of healthcare workers, and that this is going to drive some of them out of the state, perhaps to states where a right to choose an abortion is protected, such as Nevada, New Mexico, Colorado, or California. How about uh, things like abortion pills? How do they factor into what's going to unfold in Arizona and across the country now? Does the, from a healthcare perspective, does this do anything to mitigate the concerns that healthcare providers have on this front? Does it create a, a new industry for people seeking that kind of medication? Do we have any sense as to what that will mean uh, in a state like this that will be restrictive and and potentially uh, prohibitive? Yes. So abortion pills that are also known as medication abortion, that really changes the landscape for abortion care. And I think it's one reason why you're less likely to see botched abortions sort of the way you did pre-Row, you know, where people would be getting these completely unsanctioned abortions and and sometimes dying. Um, Abortion pills make that a much safer option. The only problem is, first of all, the abortion providers in Arizona, they have stopped providing medication and surgical abortions. So you can't get them right now from one of those clinics. I don't know how long that's going to last. But there are options. There are providers outside of the U.S. that are They will mail abortion pills to people in states. Um, You cannot do abortion care by telemedicine in Arizona. And I don't really know what 
repercussions somebody would face here for getting abortion pills by mail. I'm not clear on that, um, but I know it's an option, and there's a website called Plan C that is connecting people with abortion pills. So that is a safe option. It is only effective up to 10 weeks of pregnancy, so that's not an option for everybody. Let's go from that gray area to another one. Uh, if a woman has a high-risk ectopic pregnancy or a pregnancy that involves severe anomalies, can she still work with her local doctor to understand the spectrum of options available to her, even if in this state one of those options may not be legal on the table? That's a really good question, and I don't know the answer to that. Um, you know, the abortion clinics right now that have stopped procedures, and those clinics represent 92% of the abortions that were performed in 2020. So it's pretty much most of the abortion care in Arizona has stopped, the vast majority. And they've stopped at every stage of the pregnancy. So there aren't a lot of options right now, and I think it's still unclear what would constitute a case where, you know, the life of the pregnant individual for instance, is in danger. In that case, when we're talking about abortion laws, there's virtually always an exception in that case. So, you know, in an ectopic pregnancy, sometimes that is the case. So I can't provide you anything more specific than that at this point. We might find out a little more this week on that, but I, I don't know. Why don't you go a little more in depth on what this means for cases where the life of the mother is uh, in question during pregnancy? So hospitals sometimes, in some cases, done uh, surgical abortions when the pregnant person's life is in danger. And they gave me a statement today that says, given the complex legal landscape in Arizona specifically, we have paused because they have facilities in other states. We have paused some medical and surgical procedures that procure the miscarriage of a pregnant person while continuing with others that are still compliant with state laws. So they did not expand on that, but I would interpret that last part of that statement to mean if the pregnant person's life is in danger. And so I spoke to the Arizona chair of the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists on Friday, who said the lack of clarity on when an individual's life is in danger or a lack of clarity on abortion laws in general in Arizona, uh, combined with a fear of prosecution, could leave doctors to put off a decision to do an abortion when a pregnant individual's life is in danger until the very last minute. And I can also note that scientific studies show pregnancy is far riskier than legal abortion. The common denominator in a lot of what I'm hearing from you seems to be that the, we just don't know where all this leads at this point. And, and for the medical community, interacting with the legal community, it feels like there's a lot that's unsettled. Give us a sense of some of the things that that are obviously up in the air at the moment. Yes, well, I think that this idea of a disruption in the relationship between a physician and patient that has always been private since Roe v. Wade now is not. And I think that that is really 
possibly going to have a chilling effect on physicians. And just based on the, the conversations I had Friday, uh, there is a concern that, you know, what if somebody is having a miscarriage and they need medical assistance for that to complete? Are all doctors going to want to help with that? Could that be construed as assisting with an abortion? Or if you're having twins and one expires, you need medical assistance for the pregnant individual's safety, too. And I would assume that that would be allowed, but that's another one of those things where it's it's still it's up in the air. It's a wait and see, as one physician told me on Friday. You know, every question I asked, whether it was about abortion pills or miscarriages, it was, we're not sure, and we're, we're afraid of prosecution. Okay, well, thank you for shedding light where we can and, and pointing out the many considerations that remain unsolved. Uh, Stephanie, if people want to follow your work on Twitter, where can they find you? At Stephanie Innes, and that's I-N-N-E-S. Hi, producer Amanda Luberto here. We're just taking a short break to let you know about our free mobile app. Stay up to date on politics, breaking news, and other stories affecting Arizona by downloading the AZ Central app, available in your App Store and Google Play. Ray, welcome back. Thank you, good to be here. So one of the more confusing things in all of this seems to be the state of the law here in Arizona. Give us a sense of why this isn't already crystal clear as to what is permitted or what's forbidden. You bet. Well, um, Arizona actually has one of the more uh, confusing situations of of all the states right now. About half the states passed these trigger laws that are laws that would go into effect if Roe versus Wade was overruled. Arizona didn't have one of those. Some people thought that this pre-statehood law, which has been in effect for over 100 years and criminalizes abortions uh, for abortion providers with mandatory prison, that that would go into effect. And then there's also this law that was passed this year that bans abortions after 15 weeks, provides an exception for uh, the life of the mother, but not for rape or incest. Some people, uh, like the governor, thought that that would go into effect and the pre-statehood ban would not go into effect. And then there's this question of this law that passed last year, Senate Bill 1457, um, which uh, basically gives fetuses all the rights of, of other citizens. And so now there's a question of whether that could be enforced to prevent abortion. So there's all these different laws at play, and nobody knows for sure which one is, is valid right now. Okay, so how does this sort itself out in the near term? Well, a couple different ways. Um, for one thing, this new law that just passed, this 15-week ban, will take effect in 90 days. Basically, the legislature just ended, so in 90 days that will take effect. And then there's this question of whether the pre-statehood ban will also take effect. Um, the Senate Republicans claim that it is in effect now, and both of these laws will take effect simultaneously. Um, but the AG's office basically told me that, that not so fast. They're putting together a legal analysis to figure out what the overruling of Roe Ro versus 
versus wait means in Arizona, and that people should wait until they come out with some kind of advisory opinion. Um, then in the meantime, there's this other law that uh, that has this fetal personhood aspect to it. This has really come into the forefront with a emergency motion that was filed over the weekend by uh, reproductive rights uh, groups to basically have a judge, have a federal judge rule uh, and place an injunction against that part of this law from last year so that nobody could, for example, charge an abortion provider with assault or child abuse under this law um, uh, because they're doing something to a fetus. Clarify for us what that would mean as a practical matter, uh, this question of personhood. Well, it could be interpreted very broadly, um, and that is what the law as passed hopes happens. And so there's an interpretation provision that's as, that's part of that law that specifically says that this idea that, that uh, fetuses are, are people and citizens should be interpreted as broadly as possible to all other Arizona laws. And... Um, the question was asked during a federal court proceeding about this law, uh, whether the defendants, meaning the state, could actually interpret it that way and, and actually charge somebody, you know, because they, they have just conceived and, and uh, fetal personhood applies from the moment of conception. So so the question is, could someone uh, say that, well, this fertilized egg, you know, means that, you know, if you do something to it, that that could be child abuse. The state basically said that the only thing preventing that interpretation was Supreme Court precedent, uh, I believe, meaning Roe versus Wade. So that now that that's overruled, the question is, will they interpret it that way? And um, there's a big fear by abortion providers that that they will, and that's the main reason they said that they stopped abortion services uh, from Friday on. So this personhood law was just passed last year. Um, and interestingly enough, and I'll just put this as an aside, um, what that law did was it repealed another century-old law that, that had mandatory prison time for women who got an abortion. So that protection for women only just came into place last year, and it was specifically repealed in this law that was passed last year that um, the law did two things. Besides the fetal personhood provision, it also banned all abortions for people that were seeking abortions due to genetic abnormalities, which are things like um, Down syndrome or cystic fibrosis. Um, and so that law is, is in existence, but genetic abnormalities part is blocked by, by a federal judge. Now, as I mentioned, the re reproductive rights groups want to block the personhood part. So, so now that's all separate from this pre-statehood ban, which was passed in 1864 by our territorial legislature. And it, it provides two to five years mandatory prison for anyone that provides an abortion or helps a woman get an abortion. A few years after that was passed, they also passed that law that, that also criminalized or, or basically had mandatory prison for women, too. So the reason I mentioned that that was repealed last year um, is because there's this other wrinkle that comes into effect, which is that this new law that was passed this year with a 15-week ban, hope this isn't getting too confusing, that contains a provision that says expressly that the territorial law uh, is, is not to be repealed by this law. So um, while some people say that, that there's an implied repeal for the territorial law, uh, because this new law passed that, that has a 15-week ban, therefore the old law shouldn't come into effect. But they can't really answer, well, what about this clause that says that, that specifically it, it can't be repealed? So these are questions for lawyers and judges, and, and it really stands, at a, as, as you can tell, a, a confusing state at this point. So as the lawyers and judges uh, proceed to untangle all this, voters will also be moving forward on this issue. Let's talk about what this means for political races in the near term. Um, this ruling came after the deadline to qualify for the ballot, so it's not going to affect who runs for office, 
But for those who are, it seems like there are a few people that this is especially impactful. Ray, let's start with Arizona Attorney General Mark Burnovich. He's running for the U.S. Senate race that is uh, includes Senator Mark Kelly, the Democrat. He's also facing Republican challengers on that. Burnovich, as the state's top law enforcement officer, now is charged with enforcing whatever the law is in Arizona at this point, and also has to sort of make clear what he views the appropriate legal footing for uh, abortion issues in Arizona as well. How does all this affect him? I'm sure he's wondering that too and meeting with his consultants on it every day. Um, it's it's going to be a tough one for him. On one hand, he's got this conservative primary that he has to deal with. And if he comes out and says, for example, that the pre-statehood law doesn't apply, doctors don't have to worry about mandatory prison. Well, maybe maybe that's not what conservatives want to hear, and that could damage him uh, for the conservative primary. Um, on the other hand, he's also basically put out his opinion there that he does believe in protecting the rights of the unborn. He could take a, a pretty hard stance on this. So uh, should Bernovich survive this tough primary? Um, and go on to the general if he then is still pushing this very restrictive abortion policy at that point, if, or if he decides that, um, for example, that, that, that abortion providers need to go to prison, well, that'll just prevent an even starker choice for voters in the general election when he goes up against Democrat Mark Kelly. Okay, let's talk about uh, the race to replace Mark Burnovich as attorney general. Has anyone owned this issue on the right? And what about Democrat Chris Mays? Well, um, I would say that, that Chris Mays has owned the issue on, on the left at this point as the only Democratic uh, contender for attorney general. She has come out and said she would do everything in her power to uh, make sure that nobody is going to prison for abortion reasons, providing abortion, getting abortion, whatever. Um, and then on the Republican side, I'm not aware of anyone that's come out and really owned this issue. Um, what we've seen is candidates come out and say that they're very happy that Roe versus Wade is overturned. Um, they think it's they see it as a new day for conservatives. It's an energizing issue for, for the base um, and for conservatives. But as far as I'm aware, nobody has definitively said, here's what I think is the law and kind of trying to sort through this confusing mess that I was just telling you about um, or, or outlining some kind of legislative policy, um, what they want to see. They just haven't done that yet. There's at least one more race that is noteworthy on this, and that's the Maricopa County Attorney's race. We have Julie Gunnigal, the Democrat uh, running in that race, who tried to make abortion rights a very visible part of her campaign two years ago. Now we have also a Republican primary where uh, we have an incumbent in Rachel Mitchell who, like Mark Burnovich, will have the task of trying to enforce whatever the law may be while running for this office, potentially coming out of a Republican primary with it as well. How does this race in Maricopa County only affect the dynamics of what might happen when we get to November? Well, I think that this is one of the more important races in terms of what will abortion policy be in Arizona, because it really, the prosecutors may, may end up being some of the most important people here. If they choose to move forward with the prosecution, then that'll have to be dealt with by, by people. Rachel Mitchell hasn't really laid all of her cards on the table, but um, when she was asked by the appeal, whether she would uh, consider doing this interpretation that I was mentioning and actually deciding to charge somebody with assault or, or something like that because they, they uh, provide an abortion. She didn't answer that question. So she is uh, still, uh, maybe her, her policy ideas are still evolving, but actually she needs to um, uh, get through this 
Republican primary. I wouldn't expect her to espouse any kind of uh, more liberal view on this. So she'll she'll have to uh, stick with the idea that that she's going to enforce the law, perhaps, or keep some kind of hard conservative position to get through this conservative primary. So Mitchell, um, and if she can get through this primary, then she will end up facing Gunnigal, who has presented this this idea that she would do everything in her power to to make sure that nobody goes to jail for an abortion. And so that'll present voters with a real black and white choice uh, in the in the November election. We've known this ruling was going to come down in, in one way or another for a while now. What have state legislators said about additional abortion-related legislation that they'll be pursuing, say, next year if they get another term? Well, I haven't heard of any specific plans yet. Um, I did talk to the Senate president last week about that, just you know, saying, hey, let me know if you've heard anything. She said she hasn't, hasn't heard anything specific yet. And... I think that's that just remains to be seen. Like the candidates that I was mentioning, you you do hear people um, in the legislature, Republicans, saying that that they think that was the right decision, and uh, of course, a lot of them believe that that the unborn children, as they would put it, uh, need to be uh, protected. So, I think that it's really worth watching to see what what people are going to to come up with. Um, even if these laws are sorted out, even if the at the end of the day uh, someone decides that that abortion providers need mandatory prison, you have to think that these legislators all want to put their own stamp on things. And there's a lot of other potential angles to to come at it. Um, for example, a minor consent. Uh, we have a law right now that minors must uh, get a consent for abortion. Um, so. I, assuming that abortion isn't completely illegal um, for, for everyone, that could be an area that they would make it illegal for minors. Um, it, there's just, it's really hard to tell exactly what's going to happen. It depends on what the state of the law is decided now. And and then I think legislators will decide what needs to be done. But I'd say that there's a lot of interest in doing something. So this issue seems to break mostly along partisan lines uh, what that means effectively is that Democrats tend to be supportive of abortion rights and Republicans tend to oppose abortion rights. The political reality of the state house races moving into the fall will be that Democrats didn't even field enough candidates to retake control of the state house. Doesn't that mean that as a practical matter, we already know that at most Democrats will be trying to play defense uh, to prevent laws for at least the next two years that they wouldn't want to uh, see go into effect. And what does that mean for the party's brand as they move forward? Well, it's not good, really, uh, in terms of their, their brand for the next two years. They will be playing defense. Um, by my math, uh, they, they cannot win a majority in the House. Uh, would, at best, it would be a tie, even if all of their uh, all of the Democratic uh, candidates uh, come through. And that's not really that likely. Um, it, it's possible, but uh, it's not considered likely. And then in the Senate, there's just a remote possibility that they could win a majority there. But again, not likely. Uh, most likely, they, they will face a slightly bigger uh, deficit of Democrats next year than, than they do right now. Um, so assuming that's the case, um, yes, they'll be playing defense, but um, this year showed that that with divisiveness on the Republican end, um, Democrats do have more power than, and more say about things like the budget and, 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 um, uh, and, and help uh, sort of make these make uh, laws more bipartisan and and uh, have more compromise in them so even without a majority uh, uh, having uh, you know uh, i guess a strong democratic party next year will 
enable Democrats to maybe prevent some of the more extreme measures that that, that may be presented, um, and, um, and and maybe that's that's the best they can hope for at this point. Do we know how far any of the Republican candidates for the governor's race would want to go in pursuing further measures on abortion prohibitions? Well, I don't know that I've heard any of the candidates for for Republican uh, Republican candidates for governor come out and say I definitely will will have a ban on all abortion if this territorial ban isn't upheld. Um, so so that's still an open question. Um, but then again, maybe they're hoping that that uh, there will be a, a complete ban on abortion. So if that doesn't happen, maybe we'll hear some some policy. Um, I would say that that Carrie Lake is is uh, is potentially likely to to come out with something like that because Trump's um, uh, policy has been anti-abortion um, and Karen Robson, maybe not as much. Okay. Well, Ray, thank you so much for joining us on The Gaggle. It's, as you have noted, a fluid subject and something that's going to be unfolding in the courts and with the voters over the next several months. Ray, if people want to follow your work on Twitter, where can they find you? Just go to at Ray Stern. Thank you, sir. Thank you. That is it for today, Gaggle listeners. Be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts. And while we still have you, please don't forget to rate and review our show and share it with a friend. If you want to reach out to me on Twitter, I'm at Ronald J. Hansen, and that's H-A-N-S-E-N. Today's episode was edited and produced by Amanda Liberto. You can follow her on Twitter at Amanda Luberto. That's L-U-B-E-R-T-O. Do you have any questions about Arizona politics? Maybe there's an issue on your mind as we head into election season. Well, we want to hear from you. You can now send us a note to thegaggle at arizonarepublic.com. That's one word, all spelled out. Or leave us a message at 602 444 0804. Thanks so much for listening to The Gaggle, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. We'll see you next week.